This is another episode of the Annoyed Not Offended podcast. For people who are never in a bad mood, everyone else is just annoying. And I'm your host, Sydney. Let's dive into what's getting under our skin this week. Okay, so what is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Annoyed Not Offended podcast. Again, this is a podcast for the unoffended but consistently irritated individuals. And remember, it is not our fault that everything is annoying as fuck. As always, I am your host, Sydney, sharing the deets on what has gotten on my nerves this week because you know for sure it has been something. And I am back in the studio or my home little office Zoom recording. And I am joined by fellow podcaster Candy of the Pull Up Podcast. And she's joining me today to discuss historically Black universities and predominantly white institutions and how we see time and time again the debate of which is better in terms of education, connections, and overall experience candy do you want to give a quick introduction hi guys um this is your girl candy k lynn uh pull up the podcast i am a podcast host publicity strategist i am jack of all trades and i'm still trying to master something that's I a little like bit that feel of me <laughs> i like that and again we are going to discuss just this nonsensical debate of why do people shame the black students that go to pwis yet why do some of those same people shame the students that choose to go to hbcu and at the end of the day is it all just nonsensical like does anybody have a point or do they not have any at all so jumping right into the very first segment of the show we have fed up or fed up so candy i use this portion of the show to allow my audience to get to know my guests better by just letting my guests get things off of their chest because what better way do you get to know somebody than realizing what gets under their skin so what has gotten on your nerves this week oh girl how did you know Derek jackson <laughs> i am sick of everybody and i'm just i'm sick of the conversation mm-hmm. because i think if you've ever watched any of his videos mm-hmm. he speaks truth like women, women are sometimes ditzy and dingy when it comes to men. Most of us will stop and say my biggest mistake probably involved a man. Like if we got behind, delayed, we kind of got off task. So I think the messages are sometimes correct. I think the man that's delivering them has gotten on everybody's nerves because now everybody knows he's a cheater. But mm-hmm. my message for people who, you know, I know there are a lot of women out here who haven't cheated. I'm not going to lie and tell you that I haven't. But from a cheater to a cheater, he's telling the truth because he knows what a cheater looks like. So interesting. Now, I'm, I'm going to bring it back up later on in the show okay. for one of our other segments. But I'm glad you brought it up because we're definitely going to get into that since, you know, it's everywhere. You can't escape it. I know about 30 different people sent it to my phone. and I'm like, oh, OK, yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about this on (laughs) this show. Um, Now, one thing I can say that has me fed up this week is um, not only this weather, I'm in St. Louis and the weather is berserk during the springtime, but at the moment I am apartment shopping and oh my gosh, it's a lot. Like 
is it a possibility that I can find like 80,000 square feet for only $500 a month? Nah, nowhere in America. <laughs> and, you, and to a degree, you almost have to have an assistant with even doing everything because one, you're scheduling the tours, you're looking at the apps, you're just looking at the neighborhood. I try to be a good person, you know, go to the reviews on Google from actual tenants and residents. Absolutely. Some of them got one star. Some of the residents <laughs> like, I hate it. This is a hellhole. It's falling apart. Maintenance is trash. I'm like, uh, okay, cross that Next. off the list. It's like Tinder. It sounds like you're having a like a dating app experience. Like it's comical, but it's not comical. But that's really what it sounds like you're experiencing. Like because there's so much that goes into it. Because to a degree, I'm not like it's not a house, but still, this is going to be my place of comfort. I want to come in. I want to feel safe. I want right. to feel relaxed. I want to feel like, oh my gosh, if something were to happen, the maintenance people are going to be responsive because you know, there exactly. are situations where you like, what have I gotten myself into? Right. You're absolutely right. Like, you know, I'm in Texas. We had snow, you know, mm -hmm. if you're in an apartment complex and people had water flooding off the balcony because mm -hmm. the pipes bust, as you said, you want to make sure that somebody's going to come in and fix your pipes. Mm -hmm. That is, that is your home. That's the reason yes. why there's a home and a house. So like I said, it literally sounds like you should start an app for searching for an apartment. Swipe left, slip, swipe right. Because it just sounds like it's a lot. I haven't it done is. it in a while, but like it you is. said the last time. And everything keeps changing. Everything keeps changing. Even then, I know recently a friend of mine who just moved into a loft, she brought up a good point when she was like looking for her apartment in lost. She was like, one, why on all of the like least in offices websites do they only show photos and videos of the exterior or the lobby she's like i am not sleeping in either one of those places true i need detailed videos of the inside of the home i need you opening closets like i need details like as you can see light comes in here or this is street level or you're adjacent to this street so it might be a little bit noisy like they just not giving it at all but you wouldn't nobody would stay there that's well that's very true that's you know, true that that defeats the purpose of suckering you into the property mm -hmm. so that they can show you the one good unit and not tell you you're gonna live next door to crazy you know um the crazy neighbor that sells drugs because i got Ooh. a whole story on that with the barking dog and the girl the ex-girlfriend who apartment in her name um, they don't tell you that. Wow. They don't okay. tell you that. Wow. So you, okay. It sounds like you need to do an app and feedback. Like, listen, show me the real apartment that I'm going to be living in. For sure. And even then now, okay. One thing I can say good that has come about this is I had acquaintance recently share with me the buy nothing Facebook groups. Did you know about that? Mm -mm. Let so, me write it down, girl. I'll be writing stuff down when I be on these podcasts. The Buy Nothing. Buy Nothing Facebook group. Oh, but okay. So it's called the Buy Nothing Facebook group. And basically, okay. this is a group that you can search for in your local area. And what people do in that group is they literally put items that they can no longer use or they might have gotten extra of. And 
you don't have to pay for it. They just expect you to come pick it up. It's not like a selling group. Like you're, they don't want you to promote anything. They don't want you to sell anything. It's just literally like, okay, hey, um, I got these two coats on sale for kids. They were super duper cheap if you need a boy size one or anything. And the person that told me actually got a television because somebody, somehow they got two televisions. And she was like the first person to comment. Interesting. I'm getting in that group today. Yes. Buy nothing Facebook, y'all. Get into it. Even I added my area just recently. And unfortunately, I don't have a place yet, like the apartment to even do all of the stuff. But somebody just put on there a fridge. They were like, yeah, getting rid of this like newer fridge. But I need you to pick it up today. Wow. Exactly. Wow. You almost need to go get a storage. <laughs> and I so don't... Like, and- and I'm not a person who likes just taking stuff because it's there. But when you think about all of the people that might actually need, need something it. and they're using this as a resource, I'm like, damn, that's kind of, that's dope. very clever. That is yes. super duper clever and dope. I love it. Like, but that's the thing, especially with, with everything we've been going on in the nation at this time, for you to share that resource, mm-hmm. somebody really needs something. And that's the great part about it. Somebody else is willing to give away and not sell. So I think yes. that's good. Reese, I like resources. So I'll be sharing that on my show as well. Nice. Nice. So moving right along to the make it make sense segment, which I have titled, I'm just trying to get an education. This is the same debate that circulates online time and time again regarding who offers more to students, historically black universities or predominantly white institutions. And again, this is a conversation that has been around since the creation of HBCUs and will more than likely continue, despite the fact that it helps nobody on either side. And one side will always be shamed, whether it's the Black students using the HBCUs or the students that choose to go to a PWI. And funny enough, These negative connotations about each side are based in stereotypes, and all of us on today's episode have had different experiences, and we also have Victor joining us of the um, Liquor Talks podcast as well, so he'll be sharing his own experience. So I was just going to say we can jump right into the discussion, but I graduated from a PWI, um, but was very close to attending an HBCU due to the fact that I participated in all of these scholarship programs for high school students looking to go to an HBCU and also having family that previously attending, attended them, yet I wasn't as attached to the idea as I would say most people are. Like, you know, some people are very much like, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this for sure. Like, if it's not this way, it's not going any other way. So I was going to say, would you guys both mind sharing your own background? Sure. <laughs> um, I am a HBCU graduate. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have a degree from a PWI, but my undergraduate education was from an HBCU. I am third generation graduate of an HB of Prairie View A&M University. Both of my parents attended my grandparents attended, um, my grandparents' siblings attended, my parents' siblings, uh, my siblings. So we are a, and we are fourth generation now and still rolling. So for me, Prairie View was the only option from the time I was about five years old. So wow. we are, yeah. So we are, um, in my family, that that was the same. My parents used to tell us, 
that their money was only going to pray for Prairie View. Not only that, my parents, my mom would tell us Prairie View is how you eat, which is something that her parents had taught her. So Mm -hmm. I feel like with the HBCUs, even with the PWIs, if we look at other cultures, their kids are indoctrinated in in going to A&M. You know, I'm from Texas. So you see kids with A&M and Texas shirts on from the time they're two and three years old. Mm -hmm. Their parents teach them that. They mm-hmm. take it to the football games and they, they let them know that that is, you know, they're in, that's, that's their legacy. And so that's kind of my background that Prairie View ha- always has been the legacy, you know, in my family. My niece is two months old and her legacy is PV. Like that's, that's what we do. So that's kind of a little bit about my background. Okay, nice. Victor, would you mind sharing? Oh, what's going on ladies? My name is Victor. Um, I'm a FAMU graduate. Um, I said I was a first-generation graduate, and it's like, not technically first-generation, but within my family side, I have uh, extended aunts that graduated from FAMU, like, years ago, so it's like, it was either FAMU or Bethune-Cookman, and I ended up choosing FAMU because it was the public school, and plus, it was bigger than Bethune-Cookman, so, and also, I definitely agree with you on, um, definitely picking up where Catherine just said, um, that's in doctrine, it's ingrained, and it really is here in Florida because it's either Florida or Florida State or Florida, Florida State or Miami or one of the small schools, you know what I'm saying? Football's big here, so they're definitely taking their kids to the schools and stuff. So, And I saw a lot of that in my time at FAMU, a lot of parents that were like, oh, my, my daddy went to FAMU and my mom and dad. I saw a lot of that. So I do definitely agree that I, I met a lot of students like that. And after going to HBCU and having the FAMU Rattler just getting your blood it's like it's hard to not want to instill that in your kids because you saw how it made shaped you into the person you became because mm-hmm. you come you go to hbc one way you'll leave a totally different way so it's like mm-hmm. and it's just to pay that respect I, I definitely feel where her family's coming from it's like whenever i do have a family my money will be going towards the hbcus and also on top of that i also see how some students are treated from PW, predominantly white institutions because I saw where Ohio State, their their students were sending their death threats to the players just because they lost in the first round. The and tournament. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, and it's like at a, and that's where I would say at a historically black college, you wouldn't have to deal with that. Mm-hmm. So that's that's why I feel like I would send, I would, if I have kids, I would want them to go to a historically black college, hoping it's FAMU, but I'd be okay if it was another one. Okay, and I think you guys like answered my second question just in terms of did family influence that choice? And I mean, it makes a lot of sense, uh, um, especially for you, Candy, when you said like, okay, it's like a generational thing. Like we went here, you going back. It's just keeping that tradition alive. And to a degree, I'm not from the South. I'm from like St. Louis with my family. So we're a little bit more spread out. And again, my family's biggest thing was just you going to college. You can choose where you want to go, but you're going to go to college. And here, funny enough, we used to have this program um, that students could enroll in and participate in. It was really big. It was called the Gateway Classic. Um, Unfortunately, the program has dissolved now, but in this area, they would have students participate and really like get hands-on experience before going to college. And then a winner would be selected and then they would receive a scholarship to that HBCU of their choice for their four years. Um, so when I was in that program, funny enough, I was dead set on going to FAMU. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do the program. I'm going to go to FAMU, blah, 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 blah. But then, again, 
my mom, just being my mom and being like, you going to school was like, well, you know, not putting that out into the universe, but if you weren't going to get it, what other opportunities would you look at? So I looked at a few other HBCUs, then I looked at some PWIs and I was like, well, well, I guess if it doesn't work out, I'll just go to the PWI here because two, another thing that I was looking at is my finances. I'm like, this is who's giving me the money. This is who's following back up with me. This is who's been very, um, not so much receptive, but very responsive to any requests that we've had and questions. So that was something that I think really stood out to me when I was making my decision. And can you all guys go a little bit more into your own experiences with, I would say like enrolling even into your HBCU? I would love to. First, Victor, I want to re- welcome fam to the sweat. <laughs> yes, <laughs> welcome thank, thank fam you. you to the sweat. Now we can all like hate each other, but love each other because <laughs> we are, you know, anytime we doing something, we all at the Southwestern Athletic Conference now. So salute on that. Um, my experience, I have a 18 year old cousin right now. So I can, I can compare my experience from 20 plus years ago. Plus I have one that's 18 now. Plus I have one that he's never going to graduate. He's there (laughs) as well. (laughs) So (laughs) you know how it is. They get there and they don't ever want to leave. So, um, for me, my journey at Prairie View was a little bit different because I already had two cousins that were there when I was okay. going. Okay. So a lot of my information was walked through. So with the HBCU experience, once you're on the inside, you know what to do next. You know, you we walk things through. Mm-hmm. We don't have the hands. And that's what people don't understand. We're public institutions. We're not under you. We're not even funded through the United, United Negro College Fund because we are a land-granted public institution. Okay. So when Texas A&M was founded, Purview A&M University was founded. Mm-hmm. We actually had more students at the time of founding in 1876. We don't have the capacity, the numbers, the money that Texas A&M has to make mm-hmm. sure that every one of your processes is extremely streamlined. Mm-hmm. When I went to school. now the process is a little different. Do you still have to follow up with Purview? Yeah, you do. But that also teaches you in life, like, like your apartment shop and we were talking about you got to follow up. If you don't call them, they're not going to call you. So the HBCUs teach you how to be more responsible because nobody's holding your hand. Nobody's walking you through every single process. You got to kind of figure it out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, then I think that was a lot of the conversation. I would hear people say, well, they don't call you back and financial aid doesn't get back. Mm -hmm. My stuff got walked. You know, I called my cousin, Hey, I sent this. Mm-hmm. Can you go check on that for me? So you definitely, it definitely helped just having that person already on campus who had just recently went through the process. So they giving you a little bit more of the ends because they're like, mm-hmm. hey, you know, you might have called financial aid, but how about you call this specific office and ask for this person just because they were a little bit more helpful during my own transition. Exactly. Save your paperwork, you know, and now, mm-hmm. you know, it's totally different. Our president mm-hmm. now is a Ivy League graduate. She mm-hmm. is, you know, Dr. Ruth Simmons is absolutely amazing. These mm-hmm. kids are getting Ivy League opportunities at mm-hmm. the HBCU now. Mm-hmm. And that's even the same thing with like FAM and North Carolina A&T. People don't understand that. Mm-hmm. We're coming out responsible, right? Mm-hmm. And that my experience from PWI to HBCU is PWI will hold your hand. They will give you everything you need. You don't really have to work that hard. It's kind of like, oh. from my experience. Oh. 
Mm-hmm. From my experience, it wasn't, okay. it was not as difficult. It wasn't as challenging. Mm-hmm. I could submit something online and it was done. When I was a preview, we didn't have online. First of all, when I was to college, we still had our social security numbers on our ID cards. Okay. Ooh. I'm that old. Okay. Wow. Our socials where we like, listen, can y'all take our socials off? And we finally got them off. Like mm-hmm. we would be at home during the summer, during financial aid. We'd be like, listen, you know what? I'm on my way down there tomorrow. <laughs> we would go back to school during the summer to handle my financial aid and my housing. Like, listen, mm-hmm. do you have me a room? Mm-hmm. That was our struggle at that time. And gotcha. so it made us, you know, determine like, okay, I'm about to, you ain't about to play with me this semester. Like mm-hmm. it gives you, as he said, Victor said, you, you go one way and you leave another. If you didn't know how to boss up, that HBCU experience teaches mm-hmm. you is boss up time. Like I got to handle my business. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that makes complete sense. Now, one thing I was just going to say, as far as the PWI experience with them holding your hand in a lot of instances, I think Candy, again, you brought up a great point, just going back to how you said their funding is. So therefore they have a lot more of these resources in place that can be a little bit more streamlined, whereas most HBCUs do not. The only thing I can say about a PWI in instance is it's a little bit different. And I would say they're handholding compared to others because as a black student, that experience is still a little bit changed just because you're going through a different process. Like I know for me, the scholarships that I received from this office, it was actually run by a lot of black people. So I feel like it put me in a greater position to like seek them out as opposed to the other white faces that were on my campus. Not to say that they weren't helpful, but in instance, it was a little bit more tricky of being like, oh, you know what? Let me look for some faces that look a little bit like mine that I feel like in instance would have my back a little bit more just because they know of more so the challenges that are going on at this institution for black students. And even then, another thing that I was going to bring up, just like some research that I had looked into is, you know, overall, in general, with HBCUs and PWIs, there's still a huge gap in the amount of black students getting any sort of post-secondary education. Like just on a um, numbers basis, according to the Post-Secondary National Policy Institute, um, African-American undergraduate enrollment decreased by 21% between 2010 and 2018. And it's slowly increasing, but there's still such a huge gap. Like even with that, I was going to say with you guys' own experiences with the HBCUs, can you talk about how you feel like, um, not so much, I wouldn't say codal, but how there was a little bit more care for the students, like pulling you guys in as far as um, recruitment? I definitely, um, I, I definitely feel like there was a lot more care with um, pulling us in, like, when mm-hmm. I met with, um, when I was meeting, talking to people at FAMU, they were very helpful over the phone, like, hey, go ahead and get this in and help mm-hmm. me get us this paperwork, help us get this documents and stuff. Whereas mm-hmm. something you alluded to, looking for somebody that looked like me, mm-hmm. um, when I talked to like a, um, like a PWI, like a UF or a Florida State, or even mm-hmm. a South Florida, like in Tampa, like, because I'm from Tampa, mm-hmm. and there was South Florida, I looked at them, it's like, I didn't see a lot of us, so mm-hmm. that's also factored into my decision now. They also, at the HBCUs, they also, um, they also got on us when we need to get on us, so I would definitely say that. Mm-hmm. And they also did, they did their best to um, prepare us for post-secondary education, but the mm-hmm. only reason why I didn't go through it with it is because I just didn't like find the programs that were interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And that makes complete sense too, because I think that was, I think that was like the biggest factor with me choosing a PWI in the end, not so much 
really like the funding was one thing. Okay, yeah, I'm getting some more scholarships here, but the programs that I looked at were accredited. Like I went into public relations and communication. So when I was looking at programs, I'm like, okay, my field is a little bit smaller, a little bit more niche. So if it's accredited, I feel like I could have more of those educational skills to put into play and get those things done. Um, I wouldn't say with experience because, you know, that really depends on what type of person you are. I feel like for students, it doesn't matter where you go, where if you are the type of person that you're going to be like, you know what? I know for sure. I need to get on my shit. I need to get some internships. I need to have me some jobs. I need to build a network. Then you're going to do that regardless. Um, now, one thing too, I was going to say, Candy, you said, correct me if I'm wrong, You w- did you start off at a PWI and you transferred to a HBCU or were you going to the PWI after you I went graduated? To the PW- after I graduated. So I okay, post- for your I master's. Post- well, no. So what I did was I went back and got a second bachelor's. Okay, okay, okay. okay. I graduated during, you know, right before the start of the recession. And so it's just like, okay, what am I doing? Because I did go to graduate school. Mm-hmm. But I realized, I said then, I was like, you working on my MBA because mm-hmm. I had a plan to go to law school mm-hmm. and life happened. So yes. I left, you know, graduate school and then the opportunity presented itself. I went back and got a second ma- second bachelor's because the school didn't have the master's that I needed. So gotcha. people tell you, you know, with more education and experience, that gave me an opportunity to go into another field because I was a communications, I have a degree in radio and television. Okay. And so sociology with the research aspect of it Mm-hmm. gave me an opportunity to be able to do the criminal justice spectrum as well as mental health. Mm-hmm. So my experience there, I was, I was older, you know, um, I'd already had my experience, but it was just things there like extension. This is foreign to me. Like what? We, we got something doing. Y'all can ask for an extension, you know? And then I had a professor that I never will forget. I knew she had to have graduated from an HBCU. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of her attitude and her swag. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're, we're talking, these are doc, these are PhD people. Yes. And she canceled class and they weren't told on her. I said, what? What? Where did that? And they were like, my tuition dollars pays for her to be here. Uh-uh. Wow. And when I tell y'all she came in that class that I knew then, I knew then she was my homegirl. She read them for the filth. I was just <laughs> like, this is, this is unreal at the HBCU. Like, the mm-hmm. teacher would tell you to drop their class for the Swiss and don't come back because you disrespect. Like, so to me, those were like experiences that I was just like, mm-hmm. and I've seen this in corporate, working a corporate job. Mm-hmm. I've seen this behavior from graduates who graduated from PWIs kind of trickle over into corporate America from the professional dress aspect to mm-hmm. the fact of you think you can get extension, you know, and, and I'm a little older with a different era, but you, your paper was due at, and we turn the paper by hand still. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. no online and sh- like if mm-hmm. your paper is due during this class at twelve o'clock, it's due at twelve o'clock. It's not due at twelve mm-hmm. one. Class starts at ten o'clock. Like mm-hmm. period. The teachers would lock the doors on you. So, Ooh. oh yeah, oh it's real. Like we got a real reality check. And a lot of the professors that were at Prairie View when I got there, like I got locked out. I had professors that had taught my parents. Like oh, wow. they know you by name when they going through the role and they like, shout, shout, shout. Like that's how they doing you. And you like, oh my God, you must have <laughs> had one of my parents, you know, or, you know, or my cousins that were on campus at that time. So mm-hmm. the, the bar and the expectation, because everybody does look like you, because of my family name, the expectations are here. You know, we were expected to excel. And mm-hmm. my brother is one of those people who decided, as you said, he wasn't going to do what he needed to do, honey. And trouble came his way. 
because <laughs> people just wasn't understanding what you're doing and how you're coming up in here because yeah. of the expectations. So those are just like some of my experiences and comparisons on, Mm-hmm. I feel like when I entered the workforce, I was ready. Mm-hmm. I, I knew how I should come in there looking for my hair to, you know, mm-hmm. my makeup to my lipstick to my eyelashes that we had been taught because the professors would tell some of the ones with gold teeth. Well, don't come up here with the gold teeth. And the people be like, well, they permanent. And they'd be like, well, close your mouth. <laughs> you're you not going into it. You're not going into the boardroom. And I, you know what, Candy, I like how you brought up that aspect of you saying like being prepared for the real world, because I feel like in essence, that's one thing, like, you know, how I was saying in the beginning, there are all of these negative connotations on both sides with HBCUs and with PWIs just for black students as well. Why do these things still exist? Like, why do people still have this mind frame of being like, well, you know, HBCUs don't prepare people for the real world. Like, why is that still a thing? And then they still go back with students who go to PWIs that are black and be like, well, you know, you're subjecting yourself to white supremacy and you're not um, you're not differentiating yourself from the pack because, you know, you basically just kissing up to white people to be in this white world. Like, why do why are there these negative connotations on both sides? I think the negative connotations on both sides is because jealousy and the competition, they it's like black people are always in competition with each other mm-hmm. instead of uniting because we all be in competition with each other, but we don't but other races of folks, they just see black. They don't see the light skin, the dark skin, the PWI, the HBCU. They still see black at the end of the day. They and that's where we fail at. They just have our mindset of of a dog eat dog world when in reality other cultures of people are still helping each other whether or not they mm-hmm. went to they don't give a damn what college you went to. You know? <laughs> I mean like I mean I've seen Florida and Florida State people they might they might they might um joke around but they can still work together. They still coexist. They still helping each yes. other. You know what yeah. I'm saying? But too many times as black people, we're just in competition with another. So we look for little things to knock us down, you know what I'm saying? And the one thing I get disappointed is when, because when, I experienced this a lot when I was at FAMU, I saw it on social media where it'd be the black Florida State students get mad saying things about FAMU when Florida State losing. But yet I walk into a white person um, at, uh, with my uh, FAMU hoodie on, they'll just ask, oh, did you guys win today? And they're like, oh, that's what's up. They're, they're friendly. I'm like, mm-hmm. so it's just, it's ridiculous how we just have this mindset of competition. We're in competition with each other. And mm-hmm. that's one thing we have to change. Mm-hmm. You you made a statement about subject black students at those schools to subjecting themselves to white supremacy. Yeah, my and and I live in a house that's divided. My you know in my household he's a University of Texas graduate. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's he's real big on hook 'em horn. For me, everybody has to go where they belong, and I think that's what we need to understand. I I would hope that with the debates that are going on in this country now, we teach our kids why the HBCUs. At my house, it was taught to me. My father was a was a highly recruited football player out of Texas. Mm-hmm. And being that my parents were the group that integrated, I don't think mm-hmm. people are, because it, it also depends on your age. My parents were kids who integrated. Mm-hmm. So they're, Same. they're siblings. Same. My grandmother yeah. was the first in her family to go to college and she went to HBCU. See, mm-hmm. and so like, so your grandma, my mom and dad went mm-hmm. to integrated schools. Oh, wow. Young. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're they're siblings because my parents are second sets of younger kids. Their mm-hmm. siblings graduated from the colored school. Wow! So my parents mm-hmm. went to elementary school 
mm-hmm. in small towns that were integrated. Mm-hmm. So I understood from young with grandparents that were older mm-hmm. that we were not allowed to go there. Mm-hmm. So understand for those like me who are generational HBCU graduates, it's different when you're the first one piling, being the pilot in your family versus you being the legacy in your family. I understood why. So if I'm arguing with somebody that went to a PWI, it's just because I think sometimes they're not always equipped with the history of why the HBCUs are being chose. They mm-hmm. chose up. So mm-hmm. to tell me mm-hmm. that you don't want me, you know, Texas A&M didn't accept women until the sixth. The universities mm-hmm. here in Texas, women weren't allowed to go. Mm-hmm. Black people weren't allowed to go. You know, by the time my mm-hmm. father started going to college, he could go to, the, they were looking for him now. Now Duke was coming. University of Washington was recruiting mm-hmm. him. But his brother and sister were already at Prairie. Mm-hmm. His cousin was already at Prairie View who went on to win Olympic gold medal and running at Prairie View. So he mm-hmm. saw that even though I got an opportunity and before getting hurt, my father was being recruited. He was mm-hmm. talking to NFL coaches. He knew that he could be great mm-hmm. at Prairie View. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we have to teach our kids. We got to get the information. And I yes. think that's yeah. the difference between PWIs and HBCUs. And then when we go to the PWIs, we've got to make sure that they see us and they hear us. What yes. are you going to do to change the world? What are you going to do to change that institution? Yes. At the black schools, we get involved in something. There's, yeah. there's yeah. something really for good. everybody now, to do. I can say, now, I can say, too, just from my own personal experience with going to a PWI, I just, again, like you said before it goes back to the type of person you are knowing your history taking into account what you want and what you don't want and making a Mm -hmm. distinction right then and there because I I found like my tribe of black people that went to the school I still integrated with the white people and didn't necessarily have any bigger issues but I still did find those black people who were willing to pull me up and help me out and involve myself, I feel like, in in um, organizations that were more multicultural and feed that need that I would say for diversity. Because again, you know, going to a PWI, you're just around all these white people and you're like, wow, y'all are really white. And for me, my biggest thing that I think is so funny, even though I am a graduate of PWIs, uh, of PWI, when I see other black students that went to a PWI now is like, oh, you know, and HBCU this, or they don't have this, or they don't have that. There are a lot of PWIs that are lacking in those areas too. If you don't go to an Ivy League college, I feel like, what you getting? Because my little, my school was like a good medium-sized state-funded school. It was not one of like the top 10 or anything like that. So even then, I don't feel the, necess- the, necess- um, the necessity to brag on it in that right if that makes See, complete sense but that's the difference yeah. between us it mm-hmm. don't matter how much we don't have we bragging that's crazy we, we, <laughs> that's we, we you, like we did not have all the technology but what we are proud of and like mm-hmm. we sucked in football if you know our history we carry the <laughs> longest losing streak in ncaa history in football mm-hmm. it don't matter because we'll look at you in your face and tell you we graduate the most black doctors lawyers and engineers in the state of texas like we will talk crazy to you <laughs> when you lose mm-hmm. a draw because we are proud of yeah. Yes. Our, now, our now I can experience. say that though there is a pride 
that is always going to come with going mm-hmm. to an HBCU that at the end of the day, just a PWI, if you're going as a black person, that is going to lack. Just because even then you said to a degree with the white students, they're more indoctrinated into these PWIs compared mm-hmm. to us. Even if we do have our little frats or sororities on campus, I feel like at the end of the day, it's never going to be same in that aspect. Like you can try to make the most of that experience, but mm-hmm. it's just not going to live up to that. And even now, as an alumni of my school, I don't feel that connection. Like wanting to go back. I, I'm close to my friends and the professors that helped me and did different things. But that actual, like you said, um, that diehardness, hell no, oh, we, I ain't got that. <laughs> we ready all the time. Yes. Do you see me? Like always, yes. re- you know. But what and one about- of my close friends, she transferred from our school and went to Prairie View and she loved it. And she was like, you know, this was the decision for me and my other friends who we went to our PWR. She was like, you know, that was the best decision for y'all because it worked right. out on both parts. Right. And I have a friend from St. Louis. I have a couple of friends from St. Louis. I have one. She's now in graduate school. Um, mm-hmm. She's working on her PhD down at Florida State. Mm-hmm. And she's from St. Louis. But the financial opportunities from her going, you know, moving from St. Louis, going to California, California to she moved to Maryland. And then I think, you know, moved to Virginia. And then she's in DC and Florida now. The money and the route. And what I would encourage young people who went to PWIs to teach other people is make that your experience. Mm-hmm. Don't go there and not be like, I hear people say they went to, to Texas and Oklahoma and didn't go to the football games. What were you What there is for? wrong with them people? <laughs> what, I mean, what are you How there you go for? How do those universities not go to the football games? Mm-hmm. It what, don't listen, make sense to us. We always represent. <laughs> it's like, we, even when we go back to what you said about the pride thing, even we haven't beat with no cookman in years, but Hey, you'll still hear us talk shit to them because mm-hmm. it's the legacy thing because we got it every, and what celebrities, you know, rocking family, rocking your P HBCU. Mm-hmm. So it's like, we got LeBron rocking our gear. We got Chad Johnson rocking our gear. And also, and I visited Florida state one time and I'm like, this ain't, this is big, but this is just, you know what I'm saying? It's just a campus. It ain't even, it's just big, you know, mm-hmm. it ain't even got everything. We got everything. You know what I'm saying? I went to the library. You gotta, you gotta have a um, student code for the Wi-Fi. I'm like, what? <laughs> I gotta have, I gotta, I gotta go to, I went to the library, the Strozier library. And I'm like, you gotta, you gotta put in that little code just to use the wife. I'm like, you know what, y'all not accommodating because <laughs> damn you, I'm just walking there and you don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's nothing, you know what I'm saying? Right. People always try to make it more than what it is, and it's like mm-hmm. I definitely agree. If you're gonna go to whether it's a PWR or HBCU, you gotta get involved because it's yes. like you gotta be involved because also you ain't. If you go to a PW, uh, HBCU and you don't go to the football games, I'm going to look at you like you're crazy because it's the football games we lit and halftime be amazing, you know what I'm saying? FAMU football is just now getting back to being good now. Mm-hmm. So I kind of feel you there, you know what I'm saying? And I do be rooting for the HBCUs in, in the basketball tournament, even though they be, you know what I'm saying, they always got to <laughs> face the good team. I'm like, We need to talk about that. We got to <laughs> play in game and then get the number one seed. Like, yeah. yeah that's just a joke. Y'all just, just say you don't like HBCUs. My goodness. And then one time I saw hate uh, because we had, you know, we had a black college football national championship. Mm-hmm. I saw hate from a lot of white people. Like, oh, why is there a black college? Because I'm like, because we don't get the love for, um. We can't get an invite. 
We can't, mm-hmm. and it, we could be perfect season and couldn't get an invite. And that's mm-hmm. what Dion is talking about being down at Jackson State. And so I would just say to PWI graduates, like support your university, right? Be an extension to those students because everybody is different. Yes. Be an extension to those students. Get involved in the alumni association. Have a voice. We have voices. We are part of the alumni association. I I got a meeting uh, later on today with alumni re- relations. Mm-hmm. Like we get involved. We show up. We are excited about fam mm-hmm. coming to the swag because we know that is going to be a money making opportunity. Yes, it you is. Know? We've got the money. We've got the celebrities. We got and, all and they come. Right. And so Prairie View in Texas, we have a bigger athletic budget. We have a beautiful facility. Mm-hmm. We know that a pairing and our swag commissioner. Go ahead. I said, family, we renovating, but yeah, y'all's yeah. guys seen y'all's on. I'm yeah. Like, yeah it's but y'all got the yes, marching 100 and we, we've seen these things. So we're like, okay, I saw them the first time at the Battle of the Bands in the Georgia Zone. Like, okay, this marching 100 is nice. Mm-hmm. We played Bethune-Cookman before. So we are all, I think, as alumni trying to figure out how we can continue to produce push our legacies for. And yeah. I would just ex- advise those that went to the PWIs, we, we share. Sharing is caring. Yeah. Watch what we're doing and take that back to your schools. We have yes. homecoming. Mm-hmm. Get involved as black students. Yes. As you guys make money, put your money into your university so that your mm-hmm. black students don't can have feel the same comfortable experience. and feel exactly. like, okay, even though I am at this institute and I'm a little bit different than everybody, there still is a community for me. And I like how you brought that up. That's something I definitely have to work on because I do connect with the few that I know like, hey, look, I'm gonna tell you about this opportunity. Don't say nothing to the white people. But I'm telling you just because I know when I was there, I would have appreciated that. And I was just gonna say, um, what's like one last thing you would just want any student to know black just getting ready to prepare for looking at colleges or anything of that matter like what would you just say your closing advice would be do your research you guys live in a society where you can do virtual tours look at your personality you know also where you come from i came from the suburbs okay I didn't go to school without black kids. So I was used to being the only one. Now so, that's interesting you brought that up. Cause I was gonna I went to high school with all black people. See, and that and I think that also makes a difference. I think a lot of times the kids who choose to go to the PWIs, they say we want that real world experience. I grew up with white people. Mm. I'm not impressed. Okay. Agreed. I didn't say I didn't stay at their house. I didn't play so I and I played softball. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. So you was expect- with them. I was with them. I in played the trenches. T- in the trenches, <laughs> tournament level softball where we traveled, where my parents were paying for base softball best, it was like $150 then. Like I've I've done the farming, the ranches, the ATVs, the swimming, you know, I've done all of that with them. So when I got ready, I, I had the opportunity to experience college. So my parents had taken us to the Prairie View Grambling game. Our parents had taken us back to Prairie View to homecoming. I'd gone to Texas, a- Texas A&M and spent a week on campus in a softball clinic. So during the summertime, when you had the opportunity to live on campus, I said, oh, no. Nah. As he said, like at Florida State, it's spread out. It's just this big old campus. And then you've, you've got the other black girls that are in this camp being accused of stealing, mm-hmm. you know? So th- to me, I thought about this is going to be my experience if I choose Texas A&M over Prairie View. I may have a white female roommate that's going to accuse me of stealing her stuff when my mom and daddy make more money than hers. Like that was my mindset. So I tell young kids, go online, get involved in the virtual conversation, get, mm-hmm. look at the campus, look mm-hmm. what organizations are available. Don't look at who you are now. Look at who it is that you want to be in the future. Love get that. involved. 
I you love know, that. You know, decide you're going to be homecoming queen. Don't be the black homecoming queen. I know some of these schools until 2012 were still having separate black queens and kings. No, be the UF. campus. Yeah, be the queen. Be the king. Be the SGA president. Nah, we ain't having no black SGA. We're going to have SGA if we here. So I tell kids, if you choose a PWI, you need to go in deciding you're going to be a boy. You're going to be a part of the change that's going on in this country. You're going to bring in resources and opportunities. Mm -hmm. Bring something to the table. When you go to the HBCUs, if that's your choice, look into the HBCU that fits you. As you say, your degree of study. What are you getting a degree in? Why are you, you know, you don't, you don't come to Texas and go to Texas Southern to be a nurse when Prairie View produces the most nurses, black nurses in the state of Texas. Mm -hmm. Make sure you're paying attention to what you're going for. School is not just about education, though. You don't spend four years yes. focusing on education because you're not in school that long. So choose an environment that's going to help you grow. And when you fall, there's going to be somebody that's going to pick you up and be like, nah, boo, you got to graduate. That's what the HBCUs do to us. A professor that's going to tell you, no, ma'am, sis, that's unacceptable. So do your research. Find out who you are and also remember who you want to be. That is what should prepare you for your future. Yes, that's wonderful. Um, pick back off what she said. It's like you definitely got to do your research. You got to do your homework. You know what I'm saying? And also, you got to know why you're going there. You got to remember your why for going there. You're not going there to party. You know what I'm saying? If you want to go to a party school, then you might as well just stay home. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you you got to know why you're going there. And also, you got to find out. You got to learn ways to balance the party because it's going to happen no matter where you go to a PWI or HBCU, you're going to turn up. You got to find ways to balance, you know what I'm saying? And also, just enjoy your experience, whether it's at an HBCU or a PWI. Enjoy your experience. Make it for what it is. You cannot go to whichever one and not experience something on campus. Go to all the events, you know what I'm saying? Make it what it is because you can't get that time back, you know what I'm saying? I ain't going to lie. It's like... I graduated from family like five years ago, and I still think about all the times. I'm like, damn, I'd have missed it now. Me and my, friend, my friend, college raised, they, they having kids now. They got families now. It's like, it's crazy. So enjoy it. You know what I'm saying? And also, don't be afraid to reach out to HBCU alums or PWI alums. Don't be afraid to slide mm -hmm. their DMs if you got questions. Because I had some people slide my DMs, hey, I got a question about FAMU or HBCU. And I happily answer for them. You know what I'm saying? It's like, and also, to my young alumni, do not let, let, do not let the school employees hinder you from giving back. Because I heard too many school, employee, yeah. school employees uh -huh. are rude and stuff. Do not let that hinder you from being a blessing to your school. And that's great. I think you guys both have brought up great points. I really enjoyed the discussion, especially seeing how you all's experiences played into making your decision and even the advice that you would give other students. And I feel like it's so... I'm going to end the conversation soon. We're going to move on. But even now, I feel so sorry for all the college students with COVID. Because no matter where they go now, that uh, college experience in general COVID. is going to look completely different. I agree. It's so sad. And I'm just like, wow. Yeah. But the turn up is coming. That's what I keep telling mine is like, you know, <laughs> she, she's getting her associate's degree and. Mm -hmm. Um, her high school diploma all at one this year mm -hmm. and she's headed to Prairie View in the fall and I've actually tried to deter her because I don't think she's ready and also you got to understand as us as HBCU graduates we know who belongs and we know who don't mm. <laughs> <laughs> we we know who can like survive and so I'm always like eh, can you 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 sure you don't want to go to tech you don't want to mm -hmm. go to Mary Hart and Baylor like she's mm -hmm. gotten into all these other schools but she has her heart because it's so indoctrinated in her on going to Prairie View. And I tell her, I'm like, listen, learn how to prioritize now. You know, 
I'm syncing, teaching how to schedule, like he just said, balancing the party and what's going on. Because when they go back to school and the world opens up, oh, oh listen, that, honestly, honestly, it's gonna be too lit. I'll say that you did your best. It's like I feel like she's not to learn that on her own because there's some things you just gonna have to learn on your own and stuff. Because I know from your experience, it's like you probably learned it on your own while you're there. So there are some things that you're going to have to learn on her own. So it's like, that's what I would say to that. It's like, she's going to, she's going to learn it when she get there. You know what I'm saying? Because And I believe it. I believe it. I just, I just want her to learn how to schedule. Like, I just want her to understand like schoolwork needs to be completed now because you may decide to go to a party and the world, when mm-hmm. they open up, these kids are going to party like everywhere. It don't matter if your kid at an HBCU or PWI, they haven't gotten to go to football games, basketball games. Spring break. All spring of break. It. Yeah. Yeah. We, we see what you Florida see. looks like right now. Mm-hmm. And, them and, the world ain't even, and the world ain't even really opened up. Like, you know, you just, so you, these kids are going, and I tell her, I was like, like get ready because it's coming. PG didn't have a homecoming. Last year was the first homecoming I'd missed in 20 years. Like, I've been at homecoming every year. So I'm just telling her, like, Everything is going to be at the next level. Swag has merged with Fam and Bethune. It's going to get, we're going to have big games. It's going to be yes. something for them to experience. And I, and I hope some of those kids get to enjoy that because COVID has literally taken away two years of their experience and kept them from really learning in an interactive way because yeah. they've had to go online. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. But again, I feel like we touched on so many good points. So, you know, if you are a student and you're looking at college, pull out your notepad and your pen, write this down. Um, Especially like Victor said, reach out to your alumni. When you see people who are doing what you want to do and they are going to schools that you are planning on attending, reach out to them because you don't know how receptive people are. People could be like, you know what? I'm going to schedule coffee for us. I'm going to schedule a Zoom. I'm going to spend 45 minutes. And who knows? This could be a lifelong mentor. You never know. And going Mm -hmm. back again to what Candy said, do your research. I see time and time again, no matter where students go, students who just are underprepared, whether it's at an HBCU or a PWI, and unfortunately, they fall off, they drop out, and then it's just like, well, what do I do now? When it's like, if you were to take the time, really drill in on what needs to be done, baby, them four years go fly by. You go be out with your degree, living your life, making your money as you should. But you guys, whoops, I had something fall. <laughs> so you guys, moving on to the last segment of the show, we have You Are Drove. So just a disclaimer, drove is a St. Louis term for mad, sad, confused, or just plain oblivious to how you thought a situation will work out in your favor. You kind of think like, oh, you know, everything going smooth, it's turning out, and no, it doesn't. It's a dub. You are drove. So for this week's You Are Drove section, I brought up none other than Derek Jackson and this sad ass, sorry ass (laughs) apology video. So I'm sure everybody has seen by now the self-proclaimed relationship guru and best-selling author Derek Jackson released a confession video of him admitting to adultery with his wife, Denea, on IG after being ousted a few weeks ago. And in the seven-minute video, he claims he's holding himself accountable for participating in things such as sex, flirtation, and meeting up with these other women. And even then, his wife is holding his hand in the video you know she's like stating 
this is not something that should be tolerated whatsoever. We took a break, you know, we just had to work through so much to come back together. And again, Derek claims that it was already discussed. The details of his affairs were discussed with his wife before all of the rumors with public and the women came out. And so, you know, following the release of the apology video, Twitter went up in flames, Facebook, all, all of the social media sites, Baller Alert, everybody, they're reposting it, people are commenting, and even somebody cracked a joke and said, not Jerry, Derek Jackson, cheating on his wife for years with his whole healthy relationship platform men will always amaze me. And I definitely agree because, hell, I might have been fooled. I I wasn't a follower of his, but I definitely had heard of him. And I just thought, oh, okay, you know, this is interesting to see a black man talking about relationships and everything else, just because I feel like you don't see a lot of black men in that space of being relationship coaches. And I just took it for what it is. But even now I'm like, this ain't pretty. And if I don't think the dragging on social media was enough, he took the time to create a reaction video to his confession on YouTube less than 24 hours later where he actually speaks of himself in the third person. And I'm just over it. Because what in the hell? Listen, I'm... This, this is disclaimer. This is my opinion, okay? This is yeah, 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 yeah. opinion. This is my disclaimer. Listen, I think I've seen Derek Jackson for years. I've never been caught up in the hype because I literally understand men. What he's telling women, women need to get over the fact that he cheated on his wife. He gives you advice to help you, the woman. He didn't say this is what I'm adhering to because at the end of the day, he he's still a man. He, that's, that's true. That's just like the preach. He's just like the preacher. They are they are uh, nothing but men. And no, no man who walks this earth is perfect. He is a cheater. That's why he knows that you're being shelf life. He understands that women will deal with bull crap, a.k.a. he's lived with one. So should he give his wife advice to leave him? Because that's what it seemed like to she me. Gave, that's what he told her, basically. He basically said, I'm a cheater. I'm a liar. Leave me. You know... His wife had that look. Somebody mentioned this on Facebook or Twitter. They said that wife had a look of, I'm doing it my damn self, so what? <laughs> Somebody she, said that, too. I was like, you know what? I probably believe it. She had that like, look, and she gets paid, right? I always hear women yeah. talking. He has money. He provides her a lifestyle. They've been together since college. Pre previously, they went to Tuskegee too. Tuskegee together. So she's been off and on with him. I've been off and on with people. You shelf life each other. Like other people get caught up in your in your hailstorm base. And I think a lot of times as a culture, we're just not on. His dirty laundry got aired. Mm -hmm. Everybody else's dirty laundry don't get aired. How many women do you know that got baby daddies that they take back? How many do women do you know that you know that they've been cheated on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that. My only thing is just, it's so ironic that he just so happens to be giving out this sort of advice and claiming you need this type of man when in actuality he can't live up to those standards. I no, just expect... Okay. I guess Steve Harvey, the Steve Harvey couldn't either. Uh, now, do I, I, I hell no. Nah. Don't, don't, yeah, Baby, I don't listen. listen. You said, do I as I say, not as I do. That's what it is. That is crazy. Yes, it is. I, I'm entertained by it. I feel like he's got a platform where he's become an entertainer. He's an entertainer. We need to stop taking things so seriously. Mm -hmm. yes. I never took him serious. You know, when he was talking about John Gray and John Gray wife and everybody, I'm like, listen, if you really follow these people, you will understand what it is. Most women have these conversations. Women take back broke men. Rich women don't ever lead them in until they decide they are sick of them. They live a lifestyle. Just like mm -hmm. we're saying, do your research. 
what's most important to you? Are you being married? Are, what are you getting married for? And I think that's what people don't look at in relationships. You see, people see him being a relationship coach and they think he's a good guy. The first time I heard him open his mouth, I'm like, he's full of shit. <laughs> now that's... You know, he lets y'all see him working out. He's dark chocolate. Like, he's been with this girl. This girl was playing in her video from Tuskegee. Men want a woman that looks good, but they don't really want them full time. So you've gotten hooked up with these Instagram models and everything else. And let's not forget that you only threw this information out about him once he blocked. And that's my issue with, like, women. We didn't know that he had side chicks publicly. Even though I assume most men cheat, that's just my logic in life. Like decent looking men who make decent money, they got the opportunity to. Cheating is a rich man's game. You don't see the CEOs of these big companies or football teams. They all got side chicks. And you know what? I can abide by that. Like following like, okay, they go cheat, they go do this. But it's just sad. I would say just to see even then how he would come out and even issue an apology because at the end of the day, what My I don't get what the is, apology does. Why are you apologizing? <laughs> that's that's the one thing I never understand. Why are y'all making these apologies public? That's some things that just should stay between you and your woman. Yeah. That's how I'm old school in that thinking. Like, Hell, if I was his wife, things... you're not about to embarrass me a second mm. time and have me sitting next to you looking like the fucking clumps. We sitting here looking at each other like, uh, Cindy, yeah. Cindy, you a PR person like I'm a PR person. Yes. If that was my husband, you know what I would have done? I would have did my own video without him. Agreed. Listen, I, I did my PR own classes, so I agree. I, I yeah. did PR work. I, I did my own video by myself in my best clothes without him okay because sometimes as women we take men way too seriously sometimes sis you got to move on yeah. if you're staying you got kids financially whatever it is that makes you comfortable come out and tell these heifers that's my husband he's legally married to me and i'm staying married to him because he's my husband and i want to yeah and I see that's that, what i we think do that was in the culture and I think that's what really just put me off about the video because yeah. when I went back and watched it, he's talking for a majority of the video and then she chimes in, but it's very much like, well, I guess this is what we go say. And I guess y'all can accept it and y'all can go about whoever, it. Whoever does be off them need to be fired. Uh, they probably line. don't have no damn body who it's probably just them. <laughs> <laughs> I just would have did it by myself though. I think we all agree. Like I'd have did my own video. I'd have been like, he's my husband. I want to stay with him. And that's her. That's completely her buy his book. Right. Y'all buy his book. Okay. Cause the coins come to my pocket and let's be, I mean, and I, again, Shit, I, I hope nobody buy these damn books. Girl, somebody going to buy them books. He wouldn't be selling them and he selling them half off. And now he can write a book about cheating. Like, listen, it's a whole lot of levels to this. Like mm -hmm. <laughs> When you think no. about this, and she can write a she can write a book now about being cheated on. Like if she's smart, they capitalize. Like what happens when a woman is scorned? Mm -hmm. Why do you take your man back? She can join his platform if she wants to. She just created they, a whole nother. You no, know, I think with them couples, I think a lot of celebrity couples, they low-key got an open relationship, but it's just or it's it's kind of like the Will and Jada situation. If Jada's um side person got out, it's like We'll, now that we'll that we'll also was another video that did not make any sense because again everybody ran that word into the ground yes I'm they like, ran entanglements into the ground but again it was just another thing i am not at all i don't understand any of the necessity of these public 
apology videos in terms of couples? I feel like if you were to do something like terrible later on outside of like a relationship, sure. But even then, they just seem so half-assed. They don't seem genuine. And again, just him going back to making literal reaction video to his own video of him speaking he to the third person. That's, that's some narcissistic he, behavior. Yes, that's very narcissistic and very telling. Because if but anything... But your face say it all. Your face says it all when you're like say, talking about his third person it's reaction like, that, tell, that told me right there he didn't mean that shit. He didn't mean it. That told well, me, I, why are you sitting here clowning yourself instead of being like, you know what? I just dead it. But he deserved, but he did deserve for some, he actually deserved for somebody else to do the reaction video because he's judged everybody else's relationship. And that's what I'm saying. Like, this is a, to me, all of this becomes money grabs at this point. Yeah. Every, yeah. he it has is. a social media following. He makes money on IG. He makes money on Facebook. He makes money on YouTube. Everybody's watching it. Everybody's talking about it. For people like me, it's entertaining. I think it's, mm-hmm. like, I agree. It's all foolishness. I feel like she looked crazy. He looked crazy. And I'm like, where the side chick at? Ain't nobody going to judge her because she only told because it was only an issue that you were sleeping with somebody else's husband once he blocked you and your friend. Mm-hmm. Ooh, you know what? That's we, a whole nother conversation. It is. And you know what? Even now, I'm sure, like you said, Candy, with everything going on and everything being so up in the air with different things that they can do, I'm sure this will be a situation that will continue to play out a little bit as long as people are giving it attention. And mm-hmm. it is. It's foolishness. It's crazy. Please let us out the house, y'all. Because I don't want no more <laughs> apology videos. I think, I'm probably sure that's the only reason I watched it. Because I was in the house like, what the hell is this people sending me? Who? What? Honestly, I watched this because everybody was talking about it. And plus, I need shit to talk about my podcast. So, But y'all all are right. Once the world opens up and we get free again, we don't care. Some of this stuff we just don't have... I think people are spent, I've seen people really post about this for three days, right? We talked about it on my show on Monday. I'm talking about it today, right? That's two days worth of my time that we've given to this situation. Um, We've all talked about it on our podcast. So when the world opens up, we usually hit things real quick and out because we barely got time to record our podcast. So as you said, it's basically (laughs) because we stuck in the house. And y'all, that's not the last apology tour. It's more to come. Because now... She gave the side chicks ammunition to fire off receipts to the block. That's mm-hmm. all she did. So we're going to get more of them. Free us, y'all. Free us <laughs> from the shackles of relationship gurus on YouTube and YouTube couples. Free my people. We don't need that. I feel like we could do we could do so much better. If anything, make a damn movie, a romantic comedy. Give us something to watch that is fully entertaining without all of the foolishness. But or you guys, for our podcast, please. That, that as well. That is well. Agree. <laughs> but you guys, thank you so much for joining me today. It was great having both of you all share your experiences with HBCUs and DWIs and even now your own opinions on the Derek Jackson situation. But can you please let my listeners know where they can find you at on social media? You can find me at Candy K Lynn on all platforms and you can check out Pull Up the Podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, um, my name is Victor. Um, you can check me out, Liquor Talk Podcast. That's on our podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcasts at. Now, if you want to get with me, Twitter is Real V Jones. Um, Instagram is Liquor Talk Podcast, all one word. Um, um, ladies and gentlemen, just go ahead and thank you, ladies. And ladies, if y'all want to come on, 
Y'all let me know because I love to have both of y'all on at one point in time. So for sure, got, got to run this back on, on the look and talk, you know. For sure, and that sounds great. Again, it was so much fun having both of you all and listeners. You guys can go ahead and email me. Y'all know my spiel at the end of every episode. Please email me your annoyances at annoyednotoffended at gmail.com. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to Annoyed Not Offended with See It. Have a question or interested in sharing an annoyance of your own to be read on the show? Email annoyednotoffended at gmail.com. Also, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Annoyed Not Offended for more hilarious content and updates on the show. And please leave us a positive review on iTunes. Until next time, bye.